Hey, this is Dylan Neely. We're pumped that you're joining with us today. If you're part of our King's Church family, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you via social media at King's Church KC and on our website at kingschurchkc.com, where you can learn more about taking your next step as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with other King's Church family across Kansas City. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you to follow Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Okay. Uh, you want to get into the Bible with me? Isaiah chapter 26, if you have a Bible with you, would c- encourage you to open it. Isaiah chapter 26. I'm going to set this up while you're turning there. I was at a Christmas party last night with some of my kids' friends from their school, and uh, they had Santa at the Christmas party, and Santa was reading the Christmas story, and this Santa had been prepared to tell these kids that Jesus was more important than Santa Claus. When he did, I said, that's a good amen, brother. And he said, that's what Christmas is all about. It's Jesus is really the hero of the season, and that's true for us. And but one of the things I loved last night is that he was reading the Christmas story to the kids. They were all huddled up around Santa Claus, and, and he says that his name shall be called Emmanuel. And one of the kids, little five-year-old boy, audacious as could be, he pipes up and he says, that's not true. His name is Jesus. And I was like, you get him, tiger. You know, just like, come on, five-year-old, you tell Santa what's up on Christmas, you know. And uh, so you may be wondering, as you kind of read the Christmas story, you look at things like Isaiah chapter 9. I think we have Isaiah chapter 9 on the screen for you. Actually, this is a prophecy about Jesus, the Messiah who is to come. And he says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. That's Jesus. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. You should say a good amen after that. Because the government, the responsibility, the burden for you and me, the burden for the whole world is going to be on the shoulders of Jesus Christ, that he is a king with a coming kingdom, and the whole earth will be under his kingdom in the days ahead. And his name shall be called, you'd expect it to say Jesus, but instead it says wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. You may be wondering, like this little boy was, what does that mean? Well, names are like handles. Okay, so I have the name of Dylan. My mother gave me that name. I love that name. I'm glad when you say that name, but I have other names too. Sometimes I go by Rebecca's husband. Sometimes I go by Hudson's dad. Sometimes I go by Hudson's awesome dad. Sometimes I go by Hudson's grumpy dad, depending on what day you find me on or who you're talking to. But names give us handles. And I actually had planned, beginning this Sunday for the next four Sundays, to preach through these four names. I was going to give you one name a week and just kind of say, this is who Jesus is for us this Christmas. But actually in praying and preparing, talking to my wonderful wife, considering the season that we're in, considering what December is like for most Americans, I felt like God kind of whispered into my soul, no, just tell them about the Prince of Peace. Just again and again and again. So the next four Sundays, we're going to talk about the Prince of Peace. Today, we're going to talk about peace in your heart. Next week, we're going to talk about peace in your home. The next week, we're going to talk about peace in your pain. The following week, we're going to talk about peace in your disappointment. We're going to look at the Christmas story. And I would encourage you, December is an incredible month to invite people that you know who are far from God, friends, family, neighbors, to come and experience the peace that only Jesus can give, the peace that's found only in his presence. That's the title of today's message, that, that there is peace in his presence. That's where it's found. It's not found anywhere else. You can't find it in your career. You can't find it in a relationship. You can't find it when you get a certain amount of money in the bank account. It's not possible. You can't find it once you complete your task list. How many people like a task list? I do. 
I mean, come on in Jesus' name. Give me some check boxes and give me some accomplishment. And I've got some peace for a second, but you're not going to find peace. When finally the lawn is mowed, when finally the house is clean, when finally the dinner is ready, when finally the event is over, I'm telling you, it's a temporary peace. But right away, you're going to start feeling that anxiety again. There is a peace that can be found only in his presence. And some of us this Christmas, we're, we're not experiencing peace because honestly, the holidays are bananas. You're thinking about gifts you got to buy and experiences you got to create and people you got to make happy and kids you can't disappoint. And what if they, you know, it's the, 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 the Aunt Susie. I talked about Aunt Nancy last week. I'm going to pick on Aunt Susie this week, okay? If you're Aunt Susie, God bless you. We love you. It's just an example, okay? Don't kill me, all right? Don't, don't send me an email, okay? It's, it's Chad at kingschurchkc.com. That's my email, you know? I'm just, <laughs> okay? So don't send me an email about, you said Susie, okay? So, uh, but no, the, the way you experience peace is in his presence. And actually, our staff, we pray every Monday and Wednesday, 11 to 11.30. We gather right here. We pray for you. We pray for a church. We pray for one another. We were praying, and I felt God gave me an image of a desert where there's no water. And I began to see these people with shovels just digging. And I felt God said to me that he has called us to dig wells in this season. It reminded me of John chapter 7, verse 37. If you know it, I'll read it to you. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You know, our world is getting very thirsty, and they don't know they're thirsty for God, but they are looking, they're searching, they're longing for somewhere they can get something to drink, somewhere they can find the river of living water, the water of life, like the woman who was at the well in John chapter 4, and she had looked and searched, and men couldn't fulfill her the way they thought she could, but Jesus came and said, I'll give you a water, a river that will never run dry. And I felt God said to me, he has called us in a season where our country is just in a frenzy of activity, where people are stressed out, where people are on edge, where people are, you know, it's supposed to be all about Jesus, but somehow it ends up all about money and materialism. It ends up all about, man, I got to present the perfect house and the perfect Christmas experience. I got to have the perfect charcuterie board. I got to have the perfect everything. Because otherwise, what if I don't look good? What if, what if I somehow don't meet their expectations? It's good for us to pour out in a Christmas season something like the Christmas story and say, you know what, this season isn't about me, it's about him, and he gave his life for me, so I should give myself to others. It's a good reminder for us, but I felt God said we're to dig wells. We're to dig wells of life. We're to, we're to be the kind of people who sit down at the feet of Jesus. There's a story in the Gospels of two sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary, Jesus comes into their house. Martha welcomes him. Martha gets busy serving activities, stuff to do. I got to make it happen. She forgets that the Prince of Peace is in her house. It says that Mary sits down at his feet. It's the posture and position of a disciple to their rabbi, an apprentice to their teacher. And she says, I just want to be at your feet. I just want to hear your words. I just want to be in your presence, Jesus. And Jesus responds and he says, Mary's busied herself with much service, but Martha's busied herself, but Mary has chosen the better portion. And I just felt God said to me, he's calling our church to choose the better portion this December. Can I urge you, church, don't get caught up in the game. It's a rat race out there. It's crazy. It's cray cray out there. But can you just sit down at the feet? Can you get some extra time in your Bible? Don't let December go by and say, where was Jesus? Where was the word of God? Where was his presence? Where was this? I was so angry. I was so anxious. You know, some people get anxious and they cry. Other people get anxious and they freeze. Other people get anxious and they get angry. When I get anxious, I get on edge a bit. 
You may not even realize you're an anxious person, but can I just urge you, don't let anxiety win the day this December. Let the Prince of Peace take up rulership and dominion in your heart. Let him calm the storm around you. And and that is going to be the best blessing you can bring to your life, to your family, to the world, is if you sit down and rest in and secure and anchor your soul in the Prince of Peace. Can I get a good amen? Amen, Amen, Brother Dylan. Okay, so Isaiah 26, let's dive into it. Stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word, if you would. And I'm reading from the NLT. I typically preach from the ESV. Uh, They're both good. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 26, verse 1 through 4, reads like this. It's a context of a season of fear and unsettledness. Some of you may be in a season of fear or unsettledness. Isaiah prophesies of a day of unbridled worship to King Jesus. You can read it with me if you will. I'm going to do my best to slow down for you. Isaiah 26, verse 1, In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always. For the Lord God is the eternal rock. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Before you're seated, I typically let you sit, so that's (laughs) my fault. I just, I felt in my preparation this morning just to pause here, give you a deep breath and a moment in the presence of God. Isaiah tells us when we wait upon the Lord that we mount up with wings like eagles, that we run and we don't grow weary. Some of y'all are just weary this morning. I mean, I can just feel it when you walk in. You're like, hey, check the church box real quick. Got to get after it. You know, I just, I just felt God said, just pause. Just wait upon him. Just let that weary soul be refreshed in his presence. I'm, I tend to be a hurried guy. God's working on me to not be so hurried. I believe he wants to slow us down in this season. Some of you are annoyed at how slow I'm going right now. <laughs> I can go slower. <laughs> I read a book last year about slowing down and not being so hurried, and I was annoyed at how long the author took to make his point. (laughs) It was good for my soul. Father, we want your peace. We need your peace. So I ask you to come, Holy Spirit. You're already here. You're taking up residence in every heart who believes in Christ. But would we know your presence? Would we sense your peace? Just take a deep breath, friends. Just breathe in the goodness of God. Every breath in your lungs is a gift from on high. His presence is peace. Come, Holy Spirit, pour out peace, grace, truth. Slow us down. Would we be that light of the earth, the salt of the earth, the light in the world? Part of that is the world seeing the peace that's on us in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a crazy world that's at war, and full of hatred, full of sickness, full of death, full of injustice, and we have peace because we're anchored in your presence. God, would that be true of us today? 
I ask you to minister to us, Jesus. Even as I preach the word, would you minister peace to your people? It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Now you may be seated. You may be seated, okay? So uh, I'm going to dive into Isaiah 26. And then I've asked the band, just so you know where we're going, I've asked the band to do two songs at the end, not one. We did it last week. We're going to do it again this week. And uh, it's already 9.50. I'm supposed to have you out at 10.15. It's not going to happen. I'm just warning you. But we're... uh, we're going to do two songs at the end. I want to urge you not to rush out and to slip out during that, but to stay. And as much as you may feel the anxiety, I got stuff to do to still your soul. It's good for your soul to resist that and to sit down at his feet and to hear his word. Isaiah chapter 26, this word peace is actually the word shalom. It's a Hebrew word. It means wholeness. It means completeness. It means fullness of peace. It's actually a Jewish greeting. You'd see someone instead of saying hello or Good to see you. Say shalom. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and just say shalom. shalom. Turn to your other neighbor and say shalom. shalom. This is peace with God. Shalom is peace with God. It's peace in your circumstances. It's peace in your relationships. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't mean that there's not a storm swelling around you. Shalom doesn't mean that your kids aren't maybe acting up and bickering and fighting. By the way, if you have kids, you need to know parenting is hard and God is with you. Like, you shouldn't expect perfection. Amen. He's got some kids. Got another one too. And, and uh, you shouldn't expect perfection. You shouldn't expect I'm a Christian. Why are my kids misbehaving? Some of you have kids who walked away from the Lord. You're saying, God, why did this happen? Because we live in a fallen, broken world, and the devil is a deceiver and a liar, and he's got a hold of their heart, but Jesus is on the throne, and we can be praying that he'd be moving in their life. Amen? But you need to know that the peace of God is not found in the absence of problems. Instead, it's found in the presence of Jesus. It's not found in a life where nothing goes wrong, and and the turkey or the ham is always cooked just perfectly, and everybody shows up just on time, and you had the money in the bank account to make it happen, and the bills aren't due, and the car doesn't break down, and your job goes exactly the way you thought. It's not where peace is found. Peace is found not in the absence of problems, but in the presence of God, in God's perspective, God's word, God's assurance, God's presence, even in the middle of a storm. You can have peace when your marriage is struggling. You can have peace when your children are on drugs. You can have peace when you find out there's pornography in your home. You can have peace when a dear friend betrays. You can have peace when you have sickness in your body. You can have peace when you have economic uncertainty. You can have peace when you don't know how you're going to pay the bills. You can have peace when your future looks bleak. You can have peace in every season, every circumstance. Why? Because he is the Prince of Peace. Can I get a good amen? The battle for peace, though, it begins in your mind. There is a battle, whether you realize it or not, there is a war being waged in your mind. It's happening in my mind. It's happening in your mind. It's happening in every person's mind on the planet. God wants to take up residence and truth in your mind, but the enemy of your soul is lying and deceiving and trying to pull you away from God's word, God's peace, God's promise into a world of chaos and deception and destruction. There's a war. There's a battle happening in your mind right now. That's why you can be in the presence of God in worship and just overwhelming peace, overwhelming joy. You're centered on God's promise and God's truth. And then you go outside and go to start your car and it won't start. And oh man, I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed out. I'm thinking about bills. I'm thinking about problems. All of a sudden you go from peace to problem, anxiety, peace, anxiety, peace. I don't know about you, but I'm not as familiar with perfect, sustaining, constant peace. I'm more familiar with imperfect hit or miss peace because my mind is not fixed on him. The battle for peace 
begins in the mind. This is how Isaiah 26 reads, verse 3 in the NLT. It says, you will keep, God will keep, that's his part, in perfect peace. That's perfect. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. I love looking at different translations. The NIV says it like this. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Okay, notice for a second that Isaiah doesn't say perfect peace for all whose minds are fixed on CNN. Just to offend the other group, Fox News. Maybe uh, some libertarian group. I don't even know who that is because they're not that important. You know, there's only two parties really in our country. All right. So you can vote how you will. But one of those twos is coming out in the end. But this perfect peace, it's not fixed on your future, your 10-year plan. I like plans. Heck, I wrote a 10-year plan yesterday because I just like making them. And then they never work. But I just feel better when I do. But your mind's not fixed on that. Your mind's not fixed on your future. Your mind's not fixed on your finances. It's good to think about your finances, steward them before Jesus, live with some margin. We can talk about budgeting, but your mind's not fixed. It's not anchored there. Your mind is anchored in God's word and what he says. This word fixed is the Hebrew word samak. It means to lean on completely, to fully rest oneself. If I had a ladder, you'd say your mind is anchored or fixed on God when the ladder's all the way up against the wall. What does that mean? It means if that wall comes down, the ladder goes down with it. Where is your hope? Where's your trust? Where's your mind fixed? What are you daydreaming about? If I just had enough money to get that car, I wouldn't feel so insecure about how I look. If I just had enough money to buy that house, our financial future would look good and then this. And if I could just finish the degree and do this and ace the test and blah, 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 blah. You get all stressed out. Why? Because your mind is not fixed on Christ. Your mind is hoping and anchored and leaning on something else. Could be a relationship. I'm single. I want to be married. By the way, how many single people in the room who want to be married? You're like, I'm single and I want, just raise them high just for a second. I just want to speak to you for a second. Okay. And before I speak to you, just look around real quick. Those are your options. Okay. So um, (laughs) Merry Christmas. You might get blessed. Who knows? Uh, Go say hello after service. The coffee's warm couches are comfy. All right. So, but maybe you desire and you're hoping this Christmas, God, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth and a spouse. I just want a spouse. And you know what? That's a good desire. It's a God given desire to want a spouse. And you may feel like, God, why are you holding out on me? That numb skull just got married and I'm a good godly dude, or I'm a good godly girl. Why did they get it? And I didn't. And I can't answer that question for you. Somebody missed it. God, why do I have cancer and they don't? I've served you. I've loved you. I've prayed to you. Why? They seem healthy and wealthy. I'm reading Psalms this morning. You know, David's just like, God, the wicked prosper. When will you come and visit your people and meet with your... And he's like, you know what? God's not going to forget the poor. God's not going to forget the suffering. There's a day of judgment coming. There's a day coming where we'll all stand before the Lord. This life is like a vapor. And I mean, there's joy in marriage. There is. There's a lot of work too, y'all. So <laughs> there's joy in singleness. Just as much joy to be found in Christ in your singleness as there is in your marriage. Just as much joy to be found in a life where you have a lot of wealth, you can be incredibly generous and steward what God's given you and care for your family and many others as there is to be found in a life where you have very little, like our brothers and sisters in Nepal who live in mud huts. I mean, Pastor Parsu, <laughs> I'm going to pray for him before the end of the service, but uh, who, who's founded the churches in far west Nepal. He's helped to plant over 700 churches in far west Nepal. I went to visit him in the hospital. He's very sick right now. He's fighting for his life every day. 
He's on a ventilator, just had surgery. He said, old man. Went to visit him in the hospital, just smiles, grin to grin, ear to ear. And I, he's talking to me, and he says, Dylan, he speaks very broken English, he says, Dylan, I don't have much. I'm a very simple man. I have very little to my name, but I have a lot of the love of Jesus in my heart. And he said, I have so much of Jesus, I'm okay with everything else. And he says, I have low living, but high thinking. <laughs> Just, he's got some of these one-liners that'll blow your mind. And uh, he's witnessing to all the workers in the hospital. The man could go to jail for telling people about Jesus, and he's happy. He's happy in God. He's happy in his sickness. He's happy to risk his life. Why? Because he's figured this thing out. He's not, is he walking in perfect peace? Is the man perfect? No, none of us are perfect. Somebody who tells you can be perfect in this life, they haven't lived much of life, or they're lying to themselves, and to you. You can't, but, but he's, He's fixing his mind on Christ and Christ alone. He's an example to us. He's an encouragement, an inspiration to us. Let me ask you, what is your mind fixed on? What's it anchored on? What's it leaning on? Would you take a moment just to take stock of your life today and honestly evaluate? Don't just listen to another sermon, but honestly evaluate that question. What is my mind fixed on? Matter of fact, I want to show you this. Uh, I told you we're going to play Jenga, right? Okay, raise your hand if you think I can do this and not fail. Very good. Thank you, Austin. Bless you. You get a cookie this Christmas for me, all right? So, okay, so this box isn't even going to help me, but okay, one, two, three. We're doing it together? Count it off. Three, two, one. Did it work? Did it work? Did it work? Hey! That deserves a round of applause if anything does, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so... A little bit of a cheater. There's four here. If you can see that row, there's four, but that's all right. This will work. Okay, so I've I've pastored a lot of people the last decade with anxiety, stress, fear. I've had it in my own life too. And I've discovered that the mind is a lot like this Jenga tower. Actually, the scriptures tell us about something called a stronghold. It's a stronghold is a tower inside of the walls of a city where if the city wall got broken down, people would run into the tower and hide so they wouldn't be destroyed by their enemy. Okay, so the, the Bible talks about tearing down every stronghold, that there's, there's strong towers in your mind that have been created by demonic lies. And, and I've discovered as a pastor that, that you have to replace the lie with the truth of God's word. That's how you get free from a stronghold. You know, people will pray over you, I'm going to break the power of the demonic spirit. And you, you should do that. We do that too. But, um, not in that voice though, but... But more so, we need to walk in the truth of God's word. And when we replace the lies with the truth, Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so it's walking in and knowing and really knowing, beholding the truth that sets us free. And so I've discovered in my pastoral journey that, that actually tearing apart, destroying the stronghold of the enemy in your mind, destroying the stronghold that anxiety might have on your mind or fear might have on your mind. One of the most common uh, commands in the scripture is do not be anxious. Do not be afraid. It's one of the most common commands. And that command is almost always coupled with, for I am with you. God's saying, you don't need to not be afraid because you're awesome, or you can pull up your bootstraps and figure it out, or you can succeed and win the day. You're the head, not the tail. No, no, the way we're not afraid, we don't have anxiety, is because of the comfort that God is with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? But the way that we destroy these strongholds is we pull the lies out one at a time. So I did this a few years ago. I was laying by my kid's bed. They were having anxiety in their sleep, and 
I, I discovered that if I just laid next to them, daddy's presence with them comforted them to calm their hearts. In the same way that God's presence with you comforts you to calm your hearts. I was a physical manifestation of God's love for them in that moment. But I would lay there and I would think, and one of the nights I was laying there and I was like, I'm just going to write down all the lies that have flooded through my head in the last week. And afterwards, I brought a sheet of paper just completely full to my wife and said, I think I'm kind of messed up. And uh, she was like, about time. You know, he discovered it. Uh, But I learned that I could replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. But first, you have to discover what the lie is before you can replace it. So for instance, you may walk in a room. Oh, that one's not good. There we go. You may walk in a room and say, Man, no one loves me. No one cares about me. I'm just going to assume that people are going to reject me today because honestly, who could love me or who could care about me? Maybe you walk in a room and you feel like, man, I'm just so overwhelmed with anxiety about the amount of people because what if they discover who I really am? What if I don't keep my best foot forward? What if I don't keep the face that I'm pretending to make? What if, what if they find out what's in my past or what's in my present or what I did last night? Maybe you walk you know, to your bed at night, and that one's not good, and you think to yourself, there we go, and you think to yourself, like, man, I, I'm just so stressed about the finances. I'm so stressed about our future. Like, my kids are asking me for a, you know, some Cinderella doll that's 70 bucks, and I, I'm trying to figure out how to pay the light bill, you know, and all the pressure and all the things pulling on me and all the, the, the weight that I feel to provide, and, and you're kind of, you're just like, man, this is, this life is hard, and my spouse is, that went faster than I thought. Okay, come on. You know, my spouse is upset and our marriage is on the rocks and the church says we're supposed to have a good marriage because we're Christians and blah, 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 blah. It's just this tower that has to be pulled down. And the way you pull it down is you discover the lie and then you start to, the way you build a strong tower in your mind of God's word is you start to replace the lie with the truth of God's word. So you say, you know, it doesn't matter what other people think of me because Christ has died for me. He loves me. He's accepted me. He knew me before he formed me in my mother's womb, that, that he has chosen me, that he's handpicked me, that he knew me before I was formed. He, he knew the plans he had for me before he laid the foundations of the earth, that even though the devil is rejected, I am accepted in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen, you know? And you tell yourself, you say, you know what, I maybe don't know how I'm going to pay that bill, and I, I don't know how I'm, how I'm going to take care of that need. My kids may not get that doll, but you know what? They're going to learn that life isn't about materialism. And, and you, you just tell yourself the truth of God's word. You speak to your soul. You say, you know what? Matthew chapter 6 tells me that if I seek first the kingdom of God, that he will provide for my every single need. And actually, Jesus told me to look at the lilies of the field. Just look out on God's creation and see that they are more clothed than Solomon in all of his glory. And I'm, I'm to look at the birds of the air and see how, you know what, they just fly around. They don't work. They're not engineers. They don't have a degree. They don't have anything. They don't even have a job. doesn't seem like they have a boss. That'd be nice. You know, but what they have is it says God feeds them. How much more will he feed his beloved? And then Jesus comes in. He says, if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. I can find some of my answers in prayer. If you knock, the door will be open to you. You know, you just start messing up your Jenga pile and, you know, you just, You just start stacking a tower in your mind of God's word. You recite it to yourself day in and day out. You you tell yourself, you know what? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I don't feel like worshiping this morning. I feel like sleeping this morning. I feel like being grumpy this morning. I feel like being eight. But you know what? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. 
who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love, who renews your youth like the eagles. Because if you wait upon the Lord, there you go, you will run and not grow weary. You will mount up with wings like eagles. This is the Lord. You, just, you build a tower in your mind. And that's how you overcome anxiety. For, for the one whose thoughts are fixed on him, not on all these problems, he will keep in perfect peace. That's your promise this Christmas. So my question remains, what is your mind fixed on? I don't know who holds your future. I don't know what your future holds, but I know who holds your future. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Some of y'all need to hear that today. You're like, I don't know how, to do that, how it's going to work out. And God said, you don't have to know how it's going to work out. I told you not to worry about tomorrow. Just focus on today. Some of y'all, actually, can I share this? My wife says yes. She says maybe. In Nepal, if you ask a question and the answer is maybe, they do this. Yeah, sure, no problem. You know, And uh, that means not really. But so she did that, and I'm going to take it as a yes in Jesus' name. Okay. When she was pregnant with our daughter Summer, her hormones changed. And she had a physiological response of anxiety. Some of y'all deal with chronic anxiety. You need to know there's not condemnation in Christ. God loves you. He sees you. He's called you to not fear. He's called you to not be anxious. But that is a battle for every single one of us, some more than others. And some of you, it's not just a mental thing. It's a hormonal thing. It's a physiological thing. And God sees all that. He knows all that. And in the same way that we say to people, hey, let's pray in Jesus' name that your cancer goes away. But we also treat the cancer. If you need treatment with therapy, medicine, you shouldn't feel condemnation. That's not what Christ has come for. He's, he's come to redeem us from our sins, not condemn us for our sins. So, so all that to say, uh, you know, she was battling daily anxiety. She'd wake up with sleep apnea, suffocating every three minutes. I watched it happen. She'd fall asleep and go silent. I think, is she dead? And three minutes later, <gasps> and you can imagine the anxiety that produced in her heart and mind. Well, then we went through a whole season of learning how to battle anxiety in the mind and the body and the heart, all this different stuff. And, studied this, learned a lot of, I was honestly the Christian at first who was like, just believe God, quit being anxious. As I said, they're eating potato chips, you know, like must be fun being pregnant. And, uh, and I had to learn a lot about this whole realm. And I just, there's no condemnation. I'm not coming here saying, quit being anxious. But God is saying the mind who's fixed on him, he will keep in perfect peace. And Rebecca is a godly woman that she's memorized Psalm 23. Remember one of her anxiety attacks, she just came right out of that thing, just quoting Psalm 23, still hyperventilating, still needing to breathe into a bag, but quoting the word of God to her mind, building a tower. This is what the Lord wants to do in your life. Philippians chapter four, verse eight says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. I love that in Philippians, he begins by telling us that the peace of God will be yours. And then he tells us the God of peace will be with you. God is both, peace is both who God is and what God gives. He wants to give it to you this December. I'm going to read to you John chapter 14, because this peace will not make sense if you don't know Christ, your Savior. Uh, keys player, if I could have you come up and make me sound a little better, that'd be amazing. Thank you. Uh, I need help. I need a lot of help. John chapter 14, Jesus says to his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Notice what he said. 
He didn't say some peace or a peace or someone's peace or peace circumstance. He says, my peace. Jesus gives you his personal peace. It's a personal relationship with God. It's in his presence. There is peace. And I have some other notes I want to get to, but I'm going to just leave them all for today. Matter of fact, I'm going to come up here in a moment. Uh, Band, if I could have you come, I'm going to come back up here in a moment and I'm going to lead us through salvation and communion and offering and all that before we head into our second song. But this first song, I just want to respond to on the heels of this message. I believe God wants to minister peace to your heart. He wants to minister peace to your life. So I want to ask you to stand to your feet as I pray over us. We're going to head right into this song of worship. And Van, would it be okay to do center of it all? Can you guys do that again? Can we swing? Okay. These guys are awesome. Uh, Father, I thank you for the peace of Christ. Your peace is our portion. Your peace is a promise to us today. But ultimately, God, we know peace is only found in your presence. And so wherever else we're looking for it, wherever else we're trying to find it, God, would you help us to stop the search and sit down and know that peace is found only here, here in your presence. Would that overwhelming peace of Christ come over our hearts and minds? We speak to anxiety. We say, let anxiety cease in Jesus' name. Say, heart, be still. Mind, be still. Body, be still. Under the word of God, under the peace of the Prince of Peace. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He's the king over all. Lord, we pray your kingdom would come. Your will would be done in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies. We pray it right now in Jesus' Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Minister to us. Teach us to dig those wells of the river of life for ourselves, for our families, for our community. Pray, river of the living God, spirit of the living God, pour through us that river that runs through the city of God's people and makes them glad. Would you run through us this morning and make us glad? Your presence. I just feel there's a refreshing river coming right now in Jesus' name, coming over every heart. Friends, if you feel able to, just lift your hands, lift your hearts, lift your eyes to the heavens. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Come. Bible says in his presence, there's fullness of joy that we enter his presence, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. So we sing this next song together as you lift your heart in worship. Just let the peace of God flow over your heart.